Welcome to Scarlet Tavern. Grab a drink, take a seat, and let's begin. Ladies and gentlemen, put on your finest human skin suits and grab your favorite shovel, because today we're delving into the twisted and strangely hilarious world of Ed Gein. Prepare yourselves for a morbidly entertaining journey through the life and hobbies of America's quirkiest serial killer. This is Scarlet Tavern. We are back after the long saga of of uh, Scientology. Um, we made it. We, made it. we haven't been killed um, yet. There's still time. I guess in Scientology times, you know, it took us a few billion years to get through it, but we did it. Yeah, I remember those billions of years. It's just like yesterday. Um, but today, um, first, I would like to announce that I just found out, uh, for those of you that listen to us that know the world of tabletop gaming and comic books and stuff like that. Uh, first of all, go check us out on Dungeons and Magi. Um, but I got invited to Gen Con, the largest gaming convention in the U S by population, mostly by attendance. Uh, last year, there was over 50,000 attendees, or 500,000 attendees, something like that. Um, but Gen Con, huge, huge deal. Thank you again to World of Game Design for allowing me to go there and be a DM and hopefully sell myself as much as I did at Origins. Um, but yeah, so today, as the intro stated... Ed Gein. The inspiration behind many, many of the horror films. Uh, Leatherface. Um, Psycho. American Psycho. So. No, no not American. Psycho. Yes, American. No, American Psycho. American Psycho. I got to look into that one. I his, his no, his character was based off of Ed Gein. Well, who knows? Oh, dude, I know, uh, I know Ed. I know Ed Gein. Um, but yeah, Ed Gein was one of the people I studied in college. Um, because he was so fascinating. He was an idiot. Um, but yeah, so let's jump right into it. Um, let me see here. One second. I need to pull this up on here. 
Okay. <clears throat> so, Edward Theodore Gein was born in La Crosse, Wisconsin on August 27th, 1906. The second of two boys of George Philip Gein and Augusta Wilhelmine Gein. Gein had an elder brother, Henry George Gein. Augusta was fervently religious and nominally Lutheran. Very, very hardcore religious. Um, Lutherans are worse than Baptist. Really? I've never met a, every Lutheran I met has always been so so laughs. They make me. You're you're thinking of New Age. You're thinking of New Age Lutherans. I'm also dealing. With, I also have a lot of old old school burnt out Lutherans just like Baptists a lot of Lutherans were uh, women had to wear skirts below the knees and blah 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 um, but um, she preached to her sons about the innate immorality of the world the evil of drinking, and her belief that all women, apart from herself, were naturally promiscuous and instruments of the devil. Foosballs from the devil. Vicky Valancourt, show me her boobies, and I love them too. Um... She reserved time every afternoon to read them, read to them from the Bible, usually selecting verses from the Old Testament and the book of Revelation concerning death, murder, and divine retribution. The key to this being that the Old Testament was... The Old Testament, biblically, is not meant for new Christians. Uh, Old Testament referred to the Jews and the Gentiles of the Bible times. Um, it's where they talk about, you shall not, you shall not mark your skin. Uh, you shall not cut your hair, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't, but it was designed for the Jews and the Gentiles. Well, I mean, Gentiles technically can be considered Christian. Yes, but, but it's, it's designed for, it's not designed for new Christians. No, it's, it's the way I was always instructed to me because I went to Catholic schools all my life. Um, it, was, it was always told to me about how to, to look, compare, contrast. The, the Old Testament is more, uh, like you said, for, for mostly based on Judaism. Plus, it's also like a history of a sort because at least the beginning part of it from Genesis through most of Exodus is mostly history part where it just tells like okay this is this is Sanad, Egypt, Joseph, blah blah blah, all that stuff. It's not really meant as it has a few parables in there a lot in his wife with Sodom and Gomorrah and stuff like that, but mostly it's just a history kinda of telling what happened when. It's not meant if you're looking for the Old Testament for religious inspiration like what it's meant New Testament, you're not going to really find it. Or if you are taking it from it, you're... Nah. In, in, you're a Lutheran. In a nutshell, the Old Testament is about the law. Period. That's why it is 
thou shalt not or this happens. The okay. New Testament is about grace. That's the huge difference. That's why modern Christianity focuses on the New Testament. Because you're saved by grace, blah, 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 etc., etc. All yeah, that hoopla. It's all meant to make you a nice person, whereas in the Old Testament, if you're going through there, you're going to be fire and brimstone. And, well, and, and according to them, that is the significance to the New Testament, is that in those times, they had the law, and the law was so strict that if you did not do these things, you suffered death. And yet... The New Testament is all about grace and forgiveness and love. But you still go to hell. Um, but you still go to hell. You still go to hell if you don't believe. So um, I will be there waiting for everybody. Um, she hated her husband, an alcoholic who was unable to keep a job. He had worked at various times as a carpenter, tanner, and insurance salesman. During his time in lacrosse, George owned a local grocery shop, but he soon sold the business and left the city with his family to live in isolation on a 155-acre farm in the town of Plainfield, Wisconsin. 155 acres. I will take that. I wonder what the price of 155 acres was in 1900s. And um, it was he was born in 1901. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, Ed Gein was born in 1901. He was 50, like 40 or 50, when he started doing everything, yeah, that's or when he got caught. Uh, uh, it's probably really cheap back then. In 1901. I mean, it was. Let's see. That area is actually, in that area is Remo farm. A lot of people, there's still a lot of farming, a lot of organic farming going on. $20 an acre. How many acres do we have? 155. Caleb, we need to empty our bank accounts, invent a time machine, and go back to turn of the century. <laughs> so we can be, we can buy half the state. Yeah, so $3,100 to buy all that land. That's two months' rent. That is that is how much left I have on my car. Um, so this became the uh, Gein family's permanent residence. Augusta took advantage of the farm's isolation by turning away outsiders who could have influenced her sons. Gein left the farm only to attend school. Outside of the school, Gein spent most of his time doing chores on the farm. He was shy, and his classmates and teachers remembered him as having strange mannerisms, such as seemingly random laughter, as if he were laughing at his own personal jokes. To make matters worse, Augusta punished him whenever he tried to make friends. Despite his poor social development, Gein did fairly well in school, particularly in reading. On April 1st, 1940, Ed Gein's father George died of heart failure caused by his alcoholism 
at age 66. Uh, don't drink too much, kids. It has a way of coming back to you. Oh, everything in moderation. Yes. Including drugs. Just kidding. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Dare. Dare. Um, Henry and Ed began doing odd jobs around town to help cover living expenses. The brothers were generally considered reliable and honest by residents of the community. While both worked as handymen, Ed also frequently babysat for neighbors. He enjoyed babysitting, seeming to relate more easily to children than adults. Henry began dating a divorced mother of two and planned to move in with her. He worried about his brother's attachment to their mother and often spoke ill of her around Ed, who responded with shock and hurt. How dare you talk about his overbearing, abusive mother? How old is the older brother at this point? Uh, he's five years older, um, so he would be like 50. No, no, no. Well, no, I mean, at the time when he's dating this. Like, 50. Because Ed Gein was born in, or I'm sorry, he would be, let's see, Henry was born in 1901. So, and this is 1940-ish, so he's about 40. Okay. I was just wondering, I was like, wait, how old is this guy, how old is his older brother that he's and the horse mother of two? Yeah, so he, he's 40, Ed was about 35. They're about five, uh... Ed was born in 1906, so they're they're about five years apart. Um, on May 16, 1944, Ed was burning away marsh vegetation on the property. The fire got out of control, drawing the attention of the local fire department. By the end of the day, the fire having been extinguished and the firefighters gone, Ed reported his brother missing. With lanterns and flashlights, a search party searched for Henry, whose dead body was found lying face down. Apparently, he had been dead for some time, and it appeared that the cause of death was heart failure, since he had not been burned or injured otherwise. It was later reported by biographer Harold Schechter that Henry had bruises on his head. Police dismissed the possibility of foul play, and the county coroner later officially listed asphyxiation as the cause of death. The authorities accepted the accident theory, but no official investigation was conducted and an autopsy was not performed. Now, I remember hearing from another source and that, 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 that covered Ed Gein. He later did, Gein did later confess to killing his brother. He took, uh, he took, he more or less took advantage of the of the of the brush fire and all those years of constant bullying from about his mom and him because brother didn't this was the way that i understood the dynamic between these two this was not a loving relationship where no his older brother was like ed you gotta get rid of mom i love you man this was like he like he gave him shit this this was and it was described by somebody as a Cain and Abel situation. Yeah. This was not... This is probably... surprised it didn't happen and sooner. This, and this this was his introduction. Was his brother. Um, and then, of course, he amplifies it later on. Um, Gein and his mother were now alone. 
Augusta had a paralyzing stroke shortly after Henry's death, and Gein devoted himself to taking care of her. Sometime in 1945, Gein later recounted he and his mother visited a man named Smith, who lived nearby, to purchase straw. According to Gein, Augusta witnessed Smith beating a dog. A woman inside Smith, the Smith home came outside and yelled for him to stop, but Smith beat the dog to death. Augusta was extremely upset by the scene. However, what bothered her did not appear to be the brutality toward the dog, but rather the presence of the woman. Augusta told Ed that the woman was not married to Smith, and so had no business being there and angrily called her Smith's harlot. So she didn't care that this dog was beat to death. She cared that they were living together out of wedlock. Mother of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Lutherans, everybody. I, I genuinely believe this. I mean, I'm sure the religious thing probably twisted a bunch of stuff, but some people are just nasty. I don't know if the... I, some people are just born assholes. I personally, I personally know somebody that is this strict. I won't mention any names, but um, it's one of my friend's mothers. Uh, he's one of eight kids, and uh, she's pretty. She's not this extreme, but she was always pretty strict. Um, I remember. When I left college and was mo- before I moved to Pennsylvania, I was going to live with them, but I was not allowed to because I had tattoos. The markings of the devil. Basically, yes. Um, but yeah, so she had a second stroke soon after, and her health deteriorated rapidly. She des- she died on December twenty ninth, nineteen forty five, at the age of sixty seven. Ed was devastated by her death. In the words of author Harold Schechter, he had lost his only friend and one true love, and he was absolutely alone in the world. So, nobody is really sure if he, like, loved her, loved her, if this was, like, an Oedipus complex. Um, Oedipus would be a great one for us to talk about in our history stuff. That's one of my favorite stories. Um, for those that don't know the story of Oedipus, basically, uh, a queen had a child. She gave the child away to another kingdom. The guy grew up at, in that kingdom, became a prince, met his, the, there were relational talks between the two kingdoms. The guy fell in love with his mother, not knowing it was his mother. The mother didn't know it was her son. And they actually got married, had kids, all of that, before finding out that they were related. And so his name was Oedipus, so we call it the Oedipus Complex when you love your mother, when you're in love with your mother. Did you know the, sto- did you know the story of Oedipus? Oh, I knew the story of Oedipus. It was, there, I mean, the way... The origins of it was the oracle. I don't know if it's the oracle of Delphi or just an oracle in general tells the king, your son will kill you. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. So he sent his son away. He sent his son away, like you said. And then years later, he grew up. Nobody and, knew and, who he was. And, yeah. And then and he, this is what's always strange. Like he just trapped the, the son just traveling along the road. He meets the king. He ends up killing the king, which is kind of random. I was like, 
so we just murdered kings on the side of the road. And then he ends up again. But it was his destiny. Just, yeah, he's just traveling along to see the random king and just stab me, stab me. And now he's the king and he married the queen and that's his mom. He had kids. It's really fucked up. Yeah, and they all look like sloth from the Goonies. <laughs> yeah. <that's similar. laughs> um. Actually, no, it wasn't sons he had. He had daughters. He had, oh, daughters. No, he had sons and daughters. He, he had both. He had they yeah, had, they I think they had like 10 kids. Yeah, they had a lot. At what point do you think they realized, hey, yeah. they look kind of, something's wrong here? <coughs> um, Gein, Gein held onto the farm and earned money from odd jobs. He boarded our rooms used by his mother, including the upstairs, downstairs parlor, and living room, leaving them untouched. While the rest of the house became increasingly squalid, these rooms remained pristine. Gein lived thereafter in a small room next to the kitchen. Around this time, he became interested in reading pulp magazines and adventure stories, particularly those involving cannibals or Nazi atrocities, especially from Ilse Koch. Yeah. Um, so, uh, hold on one second. Um, Ilse Koch was a German war criminal... Um, who committed atrocities while her husband, Carl Otto Koch, uh, was commandant at Buchenwald. Uh, I remember, yes. So, quick fact about these two. They did they did some pretty effed up things. Interestingly enough, though, the people who hanged them were the Nazis. Yeah. Uh, she was called the Bitch or the Witch of Buchenwald. Carl Otto was very famous. Interestingly enough, though, the Nazis only killed him for a bezelment. They didn't kill yeah. him for atrocity. They were just like, you are stealing. You didn't You didn't share the gold that you took from these Jews. Yeah. Hang on. Like, but yeah, that that's who he read about. Because um, obviously this is, this is the 50s, so very fresh off the mind um, was the war. Um, Gein was a handyman and received a farm subsidy from the federal government starting in 1951. He occasionally worked for the local municipal road crew and crop threshing crews in the area. Sometime between 1946 and 1956, he also sold an 80-acre parcel of that land to his, uh, that his brother Henry had owned. On the morning of November 16, 1957... Plainfield hardware store owner Bernice Warden disappeared. A Plainfield resident reported that the hardware store's truck had been driven out from the rear building at around 9.30 a.m. The hardware store saw few customers the entire day. Some area residents believe that this was because of deer hunting season. Bernice Warden's son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden... Entered the store around 5 p.m. to find the store's cash register open and bloodstains on the floor. Frank Warden told investigators that the evening before his mother's disappearance, Gein had been in the store and that he was to have returned the next morning for a gallon of antifreeze. A sales slip for a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written by Warden on the morning that she disappeared. On the evening of the same day, Gein was arrested at a West Plainfield grocery store and the Washara County Sheriff's Department searched the Gein farm. Washara. 
Oh, Sorry, well. I've been t I've been told by a mutual acquaintance of ours that I have to make sure that it's Washara. Wisconsin. It's it's not. It's Washara. It's and I just say Washara. Do not. You're gonna Washara. And I hope she listens to this. Ben told me to say Washara. I did not. These are lies. Um, a Washara County Sheriff's deputy discovered Warden's decapitated body in a shed on Gein's property, hung upside down by her legs with a crossbar at her ankles and ropes at her wrists. The torso was dressed out like a deer. She had been shot with a twenty-two caliber rifle and the mutilations were made after her death. So, this, I mean, this is typical of how you dress a deer. You hang it upside down by its feet, you bind the bind both sets of legs, uh, you slit the throat, let it drain out, and you slowly skin it. Um, so, some knowledge of hunting that he has but this is a small rural town so just about everybody there is big into hunting Plainsfield's an unincorporated town in Washara County Washara unincorporated for those listening means basically it's under a thousand people this is it doesn't matter it really doesn't. It's just there's a sign that says "Welcome to the home, the home of Ed Gein." Uh, that doesn't exist anymore. As we'll find out later. But it did. That there was. Um, they obviously we'll see later, but they tear everything down. Um, a uh, searching the house, authorities found whole human bones and fragments. A wastebasket made of human skin. Human skin covering several chair seats. Skulls on his bedposts. Female skulls with some of the tops sewn off. Bowls made from human skulls. A corset made from a female torso skinned from shoulders to waist. Leggings made from human leg skin. Masks made from the skin of female heads. Mary Hogan's face mask in a prop in a paper bag. Mary Hogan's skull in a box. Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of Gein's potbelly stove. Nine vulva in a shoebox. As in the part of the female reproductive organs. Um, a young girl's dress and the vulvas of two females judged to have been about 15 years old. A belt made from female human nipples. I'll take that one. Give me a nipple belt. Um, I'll pierce it. Um, four noses. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. A lampshade made from the skin of a human face. And fingernails from female fingers. Thoughts on that list? Um, well, he's got a lot of time on his hand. Holy crap. I 
mean, I just, good God in heaven, I mean, the, I can tell, I, I already know just from there, obviously the Leatherface oh, references yeah. are there right there, uh, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs is definitely, I'm seeing some, some innu some references to that one of the other things that we didn't touch on here is um ed gein's in in the neighborhood in the in the town ed gein's property was said to be haunted by the ghost of a woman uh people would drive by and they would see a woman uh a womanly figure dancing uh in the driveway and back towards the farm they believed it to be the ghost of his mother. Well, it wasn't. It was actually Ed Gein wearing his mother's skin and her dress and everything like that. He literally turned himself into his mother using her skin, had a full bodysuit of her skin and was wearing her and walking around the property. And that's that was the ghosts of his property. Again, for my fellow horror movie fans, you this this may look sounds familiar because this is exactly what happened in the movie Psycho. Yes. With, uh, Gregory Peck, right? Yes. Gregory Peck. Um, and everything where they kept seeing the woman, this old woman doing it, it was actually Gregory Peck dressing up as his, um, as his mother. So yeah. This, this sounds very familiar. <coughs> Uh, Caleb, I don't think we covered you on the list. You said Mary Hogan. Is yes. Uh, hold on. Um, I don't know why this didn't come up first. Give me a second. Aaron, any uh, comments on this as well? It's quite resourceful, quite crafty. Give it that. Is, is, is it really, really sick and depraved of me that I really kind of want to see what the female corset looked like? I'm really, well, yeah. I'm, I'm curious actually. Like it's, I, I'm, I, like, I'm like, I don't know how that happened. I'd be more impressed if he actually tanned the skin. That would be impressive. That, it's, it is said that he supposedly, in order to keep the, uh, keep everything fresh and working that he did, uh, you want to see, do you want to see the mask of Mary Hogan? Uh, sure, why not? Just deep private message me that. Oh, I'm, I'm going to. Anywhere. (laughs) We don't need to put, we don't need everybody else to see that. Um, but give me a second. I'm trying to find. Okay. So Mary Hogan was Gein's first known murder victim. I'm sorry. I forgot to put this in here. Um, she was 54 years old. She disappeared from the tavern that she ran December 8th, 1954. He shot her with a 32 Mauser pistol. Um, in November 17, 1957, during the investigation on his property, her face was found on one of the skull caps that he converted. Her case never stood trial due to prohibitive costs. Gein was tried for only the one murder, that of Miss Warden. 
Although he admitted to the murder, the family never got complete closure of him being charged and punished. Um, and we'll, we'll explain what happened. Yeah. What happened uh, let me... Do, 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 do. Let me a second. Let me send this to you and to you. That is the face of Mary Hogan. That's lovely. That is her actual face. Um, now, the rest of the body parts and stuff like that, including the vulvas from the girls, the noses, all of that, he was grave robbing getting those. He was grave robbing uh, new corpses and some old to get all of the stuff that he wanted. Um, he only ever killed two victims. So, so he was being resourceful. Well, so technically, if you want to get technical, he was never Ed Gein was never a serial killer because it requires it requires three people in concession with the same means and motives and all of that. So, so he killed his brother probably just with pent up rage and everything. Or or ago. it was an accident. Nobody knows because but, it it could have been because. They were doing the fire. He could have inhaled smoke and could have fell. That's where the bruises came from. The way I recall, he did actually admit to killing his brother. He never did. He never admitted to it. That's the one thing he never admitted to. Um, Yeah, but uh, but otherwise, yeah, yeah, you're right. He he really wasn't a serial killer in a sense, but he he, was just so bizarre. I mean, he's not a serial killer, but he's just a sick fuck. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's that, but I, I don't know. I, I don't care who you are. It takes a special person to skin a human. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's hard enough for some people to be around an animal being yeah. processed. You know, and he he like, did I it. I know some hunters that won't even process their yeah. own. They're like, nope, I'll I'll, I'll shoot it. <clears throat> Somebody else can gut it. And, and for me, I'll I'll sit there and, and kind of gut it and do all that myself. So, and that's just an animal. For to do it to a human, <laughs> that's. I mean, is... he he almost got away with it by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> Well, I mean, it definitely no. speaks to a, a, a very deep level of disassociation. Like, oh yeah. Like, and I'm sure it, a lot of it was really almost be, probably beaten to him by his mother. We probably, I mean, you make the jokes of you know Bobby Boucher. Mama, she was a devil. Yeah, well, you know. What? There, there's like rumors me. that that's who this was based off of. Adam sure Sand- Adam Sandler never came out and said it, but if you look at the similarities, I'm sure there's yeah, I'm sure the overbearing mom. Yeah, there's definitely similarities, but that was done with the cops. Yeah, because Adam Sandler's oh. a comedic genius. <clears throat> um, so these artifacts were photographed at the state crime lab and then decently disposed of. So there's only a few things kept, like the face and things like that. That face is in a museum. I'm very shocked they kept that. I would have thought they would have... 
either reburied it or. Dude, I it Zach Baggins probably owns it at this point. He has his own museum. Or he's, or he's Zach Baggins has his own museum. Um, when questioned, Gein told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he made as many as 40 nocturnal visits to three local graveyards to exhume recently buried bodies while he was in a daze like state. On about 30 of those visits, he said that he came out of the daze while in the cemetery, left the grave in good order, and returned home empty-handed. On the other occasions, he dug up the graves of recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother. He took the bodies home, where he tanned their skins to make his paraphernalia. So there you go, he tanned the skins. Alright, so there we go. So, my question is this. What exactly was he taking put him in that day's like state probably nothing it was no or he was and he you got to remember that this is the 40s and 50s where mental health wasn't as well known so he could have been bipolar he could have had multiple personality disorder where Mm -hmm. another personality took over and did all of this stuff and him coming out of the days was him his personality coming back. Nobody knows because he died before they could do all the investigations. Right. But this is way before, I mean, up until the late eighties, early nineties, we had nothing. We didn't know anything about disassociative identity disorder. I mean, honestly, based on from what I've, I've also my own personal research on this, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to say it couldn't be multiple personality disorder, but most people who talk to Ed and everything, he was, he obviously he's weird. Everybody knew he was weird. He was odd. They knew he had, like, little weird trinkets and everything. Yeah, he, he, but he was mostly harmless because he just lived out in a little run-down farmhouse. But, um... Ed was Ed, basically. Yeah, well... Like, he's not walking... Like, one day we're talking to Ed, next thing we're... But that's that's the thing, is... He could have been Ed in front of everybody else, but when he's at home, he's Sue. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Most most people that suffer with DID, they... A lot of times, they have one personality that they show to certain people, then another personality that they show to other people, um, and they're... At, to some extent, they can control it. But they also have no idea about each other. Um, which, if you guys have not watched... What is the one with Morgan Freeman and... Huh? Seven Deadly Sins or whatever? No, it's... Uh, who played the young... Um, Xavier, Charles Xavier. Oh, James McAvoy. James McAvoy has a movie where he has multiple personalities. Wait, isn't that the? Yeah, I know. There's two of them. Yeah, one's like a beast. He's like a. Yeah. Um. Fuck. What is that? I'm pretty sure. We'll find out later. Um. Um, it was split. Yeah, that's right. M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, 
Um, if you guys have not seen Split, go watch Split. It is amazing. I don't know how he didn't win an award for that movie, but... Um, but yeah, so... Let's see. Gein admitted to stealing from nine graves from local cemeteries and led investigators to their locations. Alan Wilmofsky of the State Crime Lab participated in opening three test graves identified by Gein. The caskets were inside wooden boxes. The top boards ran crossways, not lengthwise. The tops of the boxes were about two feet below the surface in the sandy soil. Gein had robbed the graves soon after the funerals while the graves were not completed. The test graves were exhumed because authorities were certain were uncertain as to whether this the slight Gein was able to single-handedly was capable of single-handedly digging up a grave during the single evening. They were found, as Gein described, two of the exhumed graves were found empty, one had a crowbar in place of the body. One casket was empty, one casket Gein had failed to open when he lost his pry bar, and most of the body was gone from the third grave, yet Gein had returned rings and some body parts. Thus, Gein's confession was largely corroborated. Um, this is where we go into the skin suit, and I apologize, I did say it was his mother's skin, it was not, it was skin from these girls that he stitched together and formed a woman suit. Um... Soon after his mother's death, Gein began to create a woman's suit so that he could become his mother to literally crawl into her skin. He denied having sex with the bodies he exhumed, explaining they smelled too bad. So, there's one thing. He wasn't a necrophiliac. Uh, the rumor is he died a virgin. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised about that. Because, I mean, literally, your mother has raised you saying, Hey, you're the devil. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would. And considering he was wrapped around his mother's finger pretty thoroughly, I would imagine any. Uh, he would never have. Uh, he would have stayed clear away from women in that regard. And now he's inside her finger. Just saying. Um. During state crime lab interrogation, Gein also admitted to shooting Mary Hogan a tavern owner missing since 1954 whose head was found in his house, but he later denied memory of details of her death. A 16-year-old youth whose parents were friends of Gein and who attended ball games and movies with him reported that Gein kept shrunken heads in his house, which Gein had described as relics from the Philippines sent by a cousin who served on, on the islands during World War II. Upon investigation by police, these were determined to be human facial skins carefully peeled from corpses and used by Gein as masks. Gein was also considered a suspect in several other unsolved cases in Wisconsin, including the 1953 disappearance of Evelyn Hartley, a lacrosse babysitter. During questioning, a Washara County Sheriff Art Schley reportedly assaulted Gein by banging his head and face into a brick wall. As a result, Gein's initial confession was ruled inadmissible. Um, guys, listen. When it comes to this, it's hard to do. But you got to separate work and home. It, it this is, this may piss you the fuck off. And I've been there. I've done that. 
this is how you get cases thrown out. Yeah. That that right there, if they would not have done re-questioning, if he would have gone back on his admittance, he never would have been tried. Never. Actually, I now, from my also from my knowledge of this, it there was it was believed that there. I don't. I'm gonna have to double check the point source on this, but it's believed that the sheriff had a relationship with either Mary. Yeah, I I said that I said that earlier. Um, the the sheriff. Uh, well, it wasn't the sheriff. A the store owner that he had hung up her son was a deputy well you, no, no, no i'm yeah so but i mean like an a, a, a personal thing like an actual like a relationship like they were not just friends and everything or a little a little bit more or anything and this really got under skin because to put it into declare to put in context everybody this is even as today this is a county with maybe less than 5,000 people. That's today, 2023. 1950s Wisconsin, that's like half of that. So they, they literally knew everybody. So this is really striking home. So it, it, but you are right. This is how cases get thrown out. But at the same time, this is, I'm actually shocked he didn't kill him. Yeah. Or that this actually got reported. So back then, they just. Well, well, Schley died of a heart of heart failure, age forty three, before Gein's trial. Um, many who knew Schley said he was traumatized by the horror of Gein's crimes, and this, along with the fear of having to testify, especially about assaulting Gein, causes death. One of his friends said he was a victim of he was a victim of Ed Gein as surely as if he had butchered him. Um. On November 21st, 1957, Gein was arraigned on one count of first-degree murder in Washard County Court, where he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Gein was diagnosed with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent, thus unfit for trial. He was sent to the Central State Hospital for Criminally Insane, now Dodge Correctional Institution, a maximum security facility in Wappen, Wisconsin and later transferred to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. In 1968, doctors determined Gein was mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his defense. The trial began on November 7, 1968, and lasted one week. A psychiatrist testified that Gein had told him that he did not know whether the killing of Bernice Warden was intentional or accidental. Gein had told him that while he examined a gun in Warden's store, the gun went off, killing Warden. Gein testified that after trying a, trying to load a bullet in the rifle, it discharged. He said he had not aimed the rifle at Warden and did not remember anything else that happened that morning. At the request of the defense, Gein's trial was held without a jury, with Judge Robert H. Galmar presiding. Gein was found guilty by Galmar on November 14th. A second trial dealt with Gein's sanity. After testimony by doctors for the prosecution and defense, Galmar ruled Gein not guilty by reason of insanity and ordered him committed to Central State Hospital for the criminally insane. 
Gein spent the rest of his life in a mental hospital. Judge Galmar wrote, due to prohibitive costs, Gein was tried for only one murder, that of Miss Warden. He also admitted to killing Mary Hogan. Um, as for, and I will say, based off of that, another fact is that his trial was also used by another killer. Jeffrey Dahmer's attorneys found out about Ed Gein's plea of insanity and they tried to do the same thing and copy it and tried to get him off on his murders by pleading insane. Because one of his attorneys is from this hometown. So he knew about it when he was a kid. Uh, he knew... Or I would I wouldn't say kid when he was younger, um, but yeah. So Jeffrey Dahmer tried to do what Ed Gein did, and obviously we will be focusing on Dahmer. I didn't do it today because we're planning something next week because Dahmer's going to be a multi-part episode because his goes very in depth, and I cannot wait for Dahmer. Um, as for his property, Gein's house and 195-acre property were appraised at $4,700. In 2022, that's $48,000. Whew. $4,700 for a house and 195 acres. I will take it all day. Um, his possessions were scheduled to be auctioned on March 30th, 1958. Amidst rumors that the house and land on its uh, land it stood on might become a tourist attraction, early on the morning of March twentieth, the house was destroyed by fire. A deputy fire marshal reported that a garbage fire had been set seventy-five feet from the house by a clearing crew who were given the task of disposing of refuse. The hot coals were covered from the spot of a bonfire, but that the fire did not spread along the ground from that location to the house. Arson was suspected, but the cause of the fire was nef never officially determined. It is possible that the fire was not considered a matter of urgency, but Fire Chief Frank Warden, son of Bernice Warden, Gein's last victim. So, the Fire Chief, who is the son of the victim, but this house caught fire before it could be turned into a tourist attraction. No idea how that happened. Just from the person that we both know from that area, Caleb and Aaron, I it was arson, obviously. Nobody was. ever Well yeah, I like obviously duh, but it was one of those like who, area no Who better to make it look like an arson than a fire, fire chief? It's probably the worst kept secret in that area. We don't know what happened. It's like, guys, it's, the limitation is yeah. long since over. It's, it's the same thing as who makes a better a better criminal than a cop. Yeah. Who knows what everybody's going to look for. And in a small town like that, they don't have arson investigators. It's too small yeah. of a town. The fire chief takes care of all of that. So and, and, it got... It it got brushed under the rug, and that was that. Um, because now you're going to have 5 million people 
traveling to your small town, which would it have done good for the town? Probably, money-wise. But did this fire chief really want his mother's legacy to be her skin and head found in this house? I I know many of the people that live in Sheriff County and in Potoma and and that Plainfield in that area. Let me tell you something. When I found out about this, I started asking questions because I'm a, I like uh, the rest of us are true crime stuff. And let me tell you, they shut, they clamped up. They, yep. No one talks about Ed Gein. Gein name is is a curse word there. They don't whatever tourist dollars they don't. Want. Yeah. It's this is this is a blight on there, and it's a shame on them because. Especially, obviously, most of the old people who were around them. Almost everybody. Yeah, everybody would be pretty close to dead at this point. But their kids and grandkids still remember. They're like, this is... Because they all knew the Geens. They knew Ed. They knew he was odd. Everything. So people had, like, the collective guilt of, like... Well, and that's... That's the thing, is the Gein family died with Ed because uh, his brother had no kids... And Ed had no kids, so the Gein family line is gone. Yeah, well, it was just one of those things where, but because Ed lived out in the woods and was kind of kooky, nobody yeah. really cared. And then they realized, oh, like, oh, wow, maybe we had, we had just maybe paid a little bit more of attention to, to you know, seeing this. Yeah. I don't think anybody could have seen that happen. That's, I think Aaron said that's a special kind of. Yeah. Um, when Gein learned of the incident while in detention, he shrugged and said, just as well. Um, his 1949 Ford sedan, which he used to haul the bodies of his victims, was sold at public auction for, get this, or $760. That's about $7,700 now. A 1949 Ford sedan, I'd I'd take that. That's that's considered a classic now. Oh, although yeah. although body juices all over it probably devalued it a little bit. Just a bit. Uh, it had a moist trunk. That's for the people that love the word moist. <laughs> um. It was sold to a carnival sideshow operator, Bunny Gibbons. He charged carnival goers 25 cents admission to see it. Huh. Somebody else charged 25 cents to see stuff back in his day, too. Um, Gein died at the Mendota Mental Health Institute due to respiratory failure secondary to lung cancer on July 26, 1984, at the age of 77. Over the years, souvenir seekers chipped pieces from his gravestone at the Plainfield Cemetery until the stone itself was stolen in 2000. It was recovered in June 2001 near Seattle, Washington, and was placed in storage at the Washara County Sheriff's Department. The gravesite itself is now unmarked but not unknown. Gein is interred between his parents and brother in the cemetery. Um, wrapping up with talking about everything in culture, um, Gein's story has had lasting effect on American popular culture. 
As evidenced by its numerous appearances in film, music, and literature, the tale first came to widespread public attention in the fictionalized version presented by Robert Bloch in his 1959 suspense novel Psycho. In addition to Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 film of his novel Psycho, Gein's story was loosely adapted into numerous films, including Deranged, In the Light of the Moon, um, in the United States and Australia it was released as Ed Gein, uh, Ed Gein, The Butcher of Plainfield, Ed Gein, The Musical, and the Rob Zombie films House of a Thousand Corpses and its sequel, The Devil's Rejects. Uh, Gein served as inspiration for the myriad of fictional serial killers, most notably Norman Bates, Leatherface, Buffalo Bill, uh, Garland Green in Con Air, Otis Driftwood from the House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects in 3, uh, and Three from Hell, and the character Dr. Oliver threads into the TV series American Horror Story Asylum. American filmmaker Errol Morris and German filmmaker Werner Herzog attempted unsuccessfully to collaborate on a film project about Gein from 75 to 76. Morris interviewed Gein several times and ended up spending almost a year at Plainfield interviewing dozens of locals. The pair planned secretly to exhume Gein's mother from her grave to test the theory, but never followed through on the scheme and eventually ended their collaboration. The aborted project was described in 1989 New Yorker profile of Morris. The character Patrick Bateman in the 1991 novel American Psycho and its 2000 film adaptation mistakenly attributes a quote from Ed Kemper to Gein saying, you know what Ed Gein said about women? He said, when I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part of me wants to take her out, talk to her, be real nice and sweet and treat her right. The other part wonders what her head would like would look like on a stick. So um, actually, Ed Kemper, not Ed Yee. Yeah. Uh, no, this is. I quote, well, like you said, it, it was he thought they thought it was inspiration for Keen for American Psycho, but it was but, but Ed Keen never said that. It was Ed Kemper who said that. Yeah, I know, but it, it's talking about Ed Gein. It was. It it's Ed Kemper talking about Ed Gein. Um, because he said, "You know what Ed Gein said about women." Yeah, but I don't believe he is. No. Um, in 2012, German director Jörg Buttergreit wrote and directed a stage play about the case of Gein called "Cannibal und Liebe" at Theater Dortmund in Germany. The part of Gein was played by actor Uwe Robeck. According to George W. Arndt's news reports at the time of Gein's crime spawned a subgenre of black humor called Geeners. And in 2022, Ed Gein was featured in an episode of Netflix's Dahmer Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, as a possible inspiration for Jeffrey Dahmer. However, a direct connection between the two is seen as speculation. Yeah, I don't... Other than them both being in Wisconsin, I don't really see it. No, it... Except for, and they talk about it in the TV show, except for them using his uh, insanity plea deal. Yeah. That That's the only connection that they really have. Um, he never really, he never ate or cannibalized. No. Well, they don't, they don't know. They don't know. He never admitted to it, but they also never asked him either. Because, if you remember, he was 
researching cannibalism and reading about it. He was also using people's skulls as bowls and cups. So, and the heart of one of his victims was sitting in front of his stove. In a bag. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, I think he was a cannibal as well. Or at least he was curious about it. Maybe he just hadn't gotten up the nerve to it. He didn't, you're saying he didn't have the heart to do it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, final it, thoughts. Uh, that shit crazy. Thank God he's dead. And this kind of depravity. I don't know. I like to think it's one. This kind of depravity is once, once in a blue moon. But <laughs> with the age of the internet, I think it's becoming more and more prevalent maybe not so much that it's um, it's causing it but more like they're, they're everybody's connecting to it you know there's all kinds of like forums and stuff for sick shit these days I can't help but wonder if, if the internet was around at Gein's time and Gein had access to it maybe he would have probably connected with more people just like him oh I'm sure he would have oh yeah without a doubt without a doubt um, I mean, no, no big loss. The fact that the gene pool died, you know. Would you say it's the gene pool? The gene pool, correct? I'll go. The gene pool died, so that's a good thing. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'll go back to what I said before. He's a special kind of sick fuck. He just did. But it does raise an interesting question. So, obviously, he was diagnosed as mentally ill. I don't think anybody would doubt that. Mm-hmm. But if he had just been raising normal, normal household without the crazy mother, the over the, the, the bullying brother, maybe Ed Gein doesn't turn out that way because he's, you know, they're not pushing him toward I mean, he, hey, he still may have been I mean, that shit crazy, but he's just... Well, like, we, there's... There's plenty of people right. out there that suffer with schizophrenia now, and they're not out killing and skinning yeah. people. Exactly, because something along the line, very, very small percentage of you have the kind of thoughts that you would deem as dangerous. And and this is this is the big thing. Um, if you watch Mind Hunters, number one Good amazing show. show, cannot wait for them to bring it back. Um, but they talk about this a little bit. And when I was studying serial killers and behavioral psychology and stuff in college, one thing that they always bring up is nature versus nurture. Um, nature, obviously being, this born. is something that is born into you. It's embedded into you. Um, and for all of the serial killers that we talk about, um, one that we're going to talk about and probably my next one being my favorite serial killer of all time, Ed Kemper. Um, just because his was definitely a nurture thing. Um, they all have something wrong with them from nature. However, most of it is something that's wrong with a lot of people in the world. So I... In my opinion, 
it's not a nature over nurture or nurture over nature. It is nature. I, I truly think that everybody is born with the capability of doing something bad. They are just taught not to do it. And they are taught about their moral compass. Um, everybody, I mean, if you want to go by the Christian standards, the Bible says everybody's born into sin. That is what the Holy Bible says. Everybody's born into sin, and the only way to come out of it is to be accepted by Jesus and repent and blah, 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 blah. Um, so I think everybody has... Everybody has a bit of darkness. It is what we do with that darkness. Do we feed it and let it grow? Or do we learn to let a little bit of light in and diminish the darkness? What's, what's that proverb that says that every man has two beasts? Yeah. The one that that grows the strongest is the one that's fed the most you know so I think in this case the one that was fed the most was that dark one um, you know his mom did not help for sure you know however in her mind you know she thought she was doing the Christian thing you know quote unquote um and not, unfortunately, that was not the case. So, uh, I, and just the uh, part of the nature of the nurture thing, just for the exception, there is, I'm sure we'll probably cover some very notable cases where child killers, um, just born sociopaths, socio, being sociopaths. Like, that's, to me, that's the exception, just because. Yeah, sure. But. Like, but I mean so this is but this is also the thing if you look at virtually every serial killer minus one or two had a very shitty past very oh, shitty absolutely. upbringing oh, absolutely. that yeah. is and that is that is the nurture of it they oh, they I'm not talking about serial killers in general well, I'm talking about though there are there have been some very notable cases, especially in like the 80s, 90s, where children or you know teenage were just committing these horrific murders of other children, but they came from very seemingly, uh, by all accounts, good families. But they're like, what's wrong with the kid? Oh, he's a little psycho. He just likes to hurt little animals and and like eat up. Well, at at that point, that's when. They take them to get exercised, but because that's that's a, that's always their next step is they have to be possessed by a demon. But um, but no, I and there are there are cases where these kids are just born broken, but you all, you have to look at a family history. Is that family history there of mental illness? To where, is it is it technically nurture at that point as well? Because were did they show signs when they were kids? But and again, 
every there there are some that it is just nature but i would say 95 percent is nurture i i firmly believe and again we'll get into ed kemper soon ed kemper what six foot six six foot seven maybe bigger giant 400 pounds massive man um supposedly the nicest person when you talk to him um was going to be a cop only reason he didn't become a cop they didn't have a uniform to fit him and he couldn't fit in the cars yeah or the motorcycle yeah um but his mother was also a piece of shit as were his sisters pieces of shit they locked him in a basement they kept him under their floorboards and would only let him up at certain times. And the whole thing is, and he'll he'll tell you that, because obviously Ed Kemper's still alive. People go talk to him all the time. He's actually one of the funniest persons to watch interviews for because he's actually fucking hilarious. As horrible things he did, he is hilarious. Um, and he does... The guy that they got to play him in Mind Hunters looks so much like him, yeah. and did yeah, he, they? There's you can actually yeah. find it on YouTube where they do a side by side of the interviews, and he has him down to a T. Like you cannot pick out which one is which besides the filming, because uh, obviously it was done in the seventies. Um, but but yeah, so I I think that in Ed Gein's case, it was definitely nurture over nature. Especially if he only had schizophrenia. He may have had other stuff, but if he only had schizophrenia, people deal with schizophrenia all the time, and they are perfectly fine. They get put on meds. There was meds for schizophrenia back then. They weren't very good, but they were there. No, but they were there, and they would have helped. It was was nurture. His mother was a piece of shit. She deserved to die. And he probably would have killed her eventually. That during his whole um, stay in the in the mental hospital, the psychiatrist never came to the conclusion of multiple personalities, things of that nature. Well, it's also keep in mind when he went in, there wasn't very much of there. A lot of the groundbreaking things that we take advantage of textbook whatever came about this point so depending on where it was probably a state funded hospital probably wasn't a lot of innovation a lot of that stuff was coming out of the private sector and in universities I'm assuming I'm just guessing again also at the point of fact I mean profiling as we saw as we see the show Mindhunters profiling didn't really was was a law enforcement initiative out of the FBI to come cover this but other than that, all they cared about little crazy guy who dug up people and used them as doilies is locked up and never coming out. Cool? Yeah, cool. Whatever. Yeah. Who cares what, he, who cares what he's got to say? He's gone he ain't never going to hurt anybody. So. so, MPD, also known as DID, uh, was first discovered and introduced in 1980. So... But the first case goes back to 1952. 
Oh, I'm sure yeah. they have cases, but just like, but again, where's the comprehensive study the, that diagnosis the, come? The first, actually, technically, the first diagnosis was in 1863, but they didn't have a term for it. Yeah, you're just uh, the guy's that. name was Louis Vivet. Wait, is that the guy who was in France with the uh, werewolf or something? That was um. Uh, let's see. He. I don't think so. No, um, he would, some would be gentle and hardworking, another lazy and irritable, uh, one had paraplegia, so one of his personalities, if he turned into that, it's actually claimed that that's where Jekyll and Hyde came from, was from this guy. Interesting. Yeah. Because if you think of Jekyll and Hyde, he has multiple personality yeah. disorder. Yeah. Or split Split per- I like Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, I do too. Wouldn't it be split personality with Jekyll and Hyde? It was only the two. It's it's, but there is no technically no medical diagnosis of split personality. It's DID, dissociative yeah. identity disorder, or multiple personality disorder. Um, but, but yeah. So that was Ed Gein. Yeah. Um. Next week. I do believe we are getting into some Lizzie Borden. We are. Lizzie Borden. We are. We're going to pay that. We're going to play that. I'm going to find it and Hell play yeah. it Hell yeah. at Let's the beginning. Um, but yeah. Me reciting the nursery rhyme? No, not yeah. you doing it. No, we don't want to give them nightmares. Wow, thanks. Um, well, uh... But yeah, so please join us next week. Um, we want to thank you for visiting the Scarlet Tavern. Remember to turn in your glasses, push in your seats, and as always, tip the bard. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.